Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week we've got a sort of double episode. Um, first up will be abstract artist James Gray and following him will be an organisation that help homeless artists called Cafe Art. Or in their own words, they are a collaborative photography and art project featuring artists affected by homelessness in London. So as I mentioned a few times... For a couple of years, I was working with Arts Fitzrovia. Um, they support homeless artists. And that's where I met Michael Wong, who's one of the directors of Cafe Art. And obviously, I won't go into too much detail, but they bring out a calendar each year that was um, made and produced by homeless artists. With all of the proceeds going back to help homeless artists in one way or another. Just skipping away from James Gray and Cafe Art for a second... Each year, I put together an exhibition called Face Value for Katie Piper's charity, the Katie Piper Foundation. If you don't know Katie Piper, she's she used to be a model, she's now a TV presenter. But in 2008, some scumbag paid an even bigger scumbag to throw a load of acid into her face in broad daylight while she was crossing the road. Suffice to say, she received life-changing burns and scars on her face and chest. She was blinded in one eye, and I think this is correct, but the vapour from the acid that was running down her body, she was breathing in, which in turn corroded the inside of her nose. Like the bloody amazing woman she is, she bounced back, set up the Katie Piper Foundation with the intention of helping other people with severe burns and scarring. Face Value was held in March 2018 at Jealous London 
in Curtin Road, Shoreditch. I approached Dario, the owner, several months before, um, asking if he'd be able to donate the space to us. He loved the charity, loved the concept, let us have it for, I think it was 10 to 12 days. Not only that, he took loads of weight off of our shoulders. Um, he donated the booze for the night. I mean, who can argue with that? His guys hung it for us and they even staffed the gallery. And they even staffed the gallery for the entirety of the show. How good is that? What more could you ask for? And I couldn't be talking about that show without mentioning Fourth Day PR, who, for the second year running, gave their time and expertise to sort out the PR. So a big shout to Zanti and her gang down at Fourth Day PR. Anyway, getting back to Face Value 2. The concept of the show was identity changed at the hands of another. I asked 30 artists to hand over an artwork in the full knowledge that it was going to be handed over to one of 30 other artists to manipulate and take that artwork to a new destination, give it a new story. And between us 60 artists, we donated just short of £75,000 worth of artwork. Face Value 2 consisted of emerging, established and leading artists. So because I'd worked with homeless artists in the past, I wanted to include them in the face value too. So that's why I contacted Michael Wong um, and asked him to put me in touch with one of the artists that they were championing at the time. Step forward, James Gray. Just prior to this interview, James had just finished being an artist in residence at the old Diorama Art Centre in Houston. When I contacted James to make this podcast with him, he contacted the old diorama and asked if we could use one of their rooms to record it in, which they kindly obliged, so hats off to old diorama. So I don't know about you, but even I'm getting sick of my voice here, so I'll shut up and let you listen to James Gray. So I'm here with James. Hello, James. Hello, Gary. Um, as I said, we're in the old diorama. Art Centre in Warren Street. They've kindly give us a room that we can record this. So James is going to, again, have to sit through and answer these questions for us. I met James. I used to, I used to um, help out a homeless art group called Art Fitzrovia in London. And I met a guy called Michael Wong who came down one time. He ran a, a group called Cafe Art. When I stopped working with um, Art Fitzrovia, I contacted Michael at Cafe Art and um, oh, asked if there was anything I could do um, or we could do together, working with homeless guys. I told him about an art project I'd coming up where I had, um, well, Face Value 2, which was um, using 60, 60, 60. 60 artists yeah, 60, I was yeah, using, yeah. collaborating together. And I, w- I wanted one of the artists that Cafe Art look after to be a part of it. They recommended James, and that's how we come by. James, again, he'll just give you a few seconds on what Cafe Art do, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, Cafe Art was set up by Michael Wong. He went to do some voluntary work at St Mungo's and he wanted to take them to do Keep Fit and they put them in an art class. <laughs> and, he, and he basically turned around and said, what the f***? <laughs> and so anyway, he realised it was a lot of fantastic artwork and it was lying around cupboards, um, just gathering dust. So he came up with an idea uh, to put up artwork in cafes all around London and to mix the artwork from homeless groups 
with the cafe and the coffee and that's really what cafe art is all about is bringing home and the then when Paul and cafe and coffee together when Paul come into cafe art that's when they organised the that's right, yeah. Paul calendar came, Paul came into cafe art about I don't know maybe about four or five years ago and he brought an idea that was used in Canada and it was um, the idea is that you give a hundred disposable cameras out to people affected by homelessness, they will take the camera out, take over 3,000 pictures and they make a calendar out of the 13 winning images. So the one to get the most votes would get the front cover and the other 12 would make up the calendar. And we'll be talking to Paul, uh, well we do talk to Paul at the end of this podcast um, and Paul began more in depth. And James, at the time, um, he was, he's now temporarily housed, but he was, as you, as you hear later on, he was um, vulnerably housed and living on the streets um, for quite some time. So, all that aside, if we can just jump into the questions, James. Yeah, um, go for it. How would you explain what you do on your style to someone that didn't know your work? Um, best way to describe my artwork would be Les Suenos de Caramelo, which means I Candy like Maiden Dreams. That is a good which one. Which is fantastic candy because some dreams. people want to eat my artwork, 99% of people want to touch my artwork, and most ladies are addicted to my artwork I mean, because it resembles glass, jewellery, flowers, all mixed in one canvas. Yeah, if we can explain what, what the what, how your work Very looks free. from a viewer. It is very much like a really, it, the basics of it, the first thing that comes to your mind is it's like a very colourful meringue. So you do have layers of coloured paint yeah, yeah. which are flicked up with waves and crests yeah. and, and the colours are all coming yeah, it's, through, it's they're very, very shiny. Yeah, it's very much a kaleidoscope of uh, colourful dreams. Um, the way for me to describe how I would actually go through the process is um, basically a twist and manipulate the paint using different tools. Uh, I use advanced amounts of paint. Um, it can look very edible only because I use very, very bright colours and with any sort of, sort of sweet thing or food thing, I think sometimes the more colourful... Draws your eye, yeah. Draws your eye and I think my artwork is very similar. But I use a varnish at the end and that gives the glass effect which uh, is probably the reason why more ladies would be. So because they're so thick, the paint working them <coughs> all together is what, maybe 20, 30, 30 uh, millimetres thick? Uh, well, I'd probably say on average per canvas, which is a 10 by 10 block, which is my average sort of size for canvases, I would probably use about one and a half to two litres of paint. Wow. And do you build a wall up around the side of your canvas to stop the paint dribbling over uh, the edge? No, I allow the paint to dribble over the edge because I wipe it over my hand, I wipe it over my fingers and then I just throw it back on the canvas. Excellent. And that's part of the process where it creates a crater onto the canvas and sends out a short wave so you have a little twist of paint. So there's a lot of little different signature sort of techniques within yeah. the artwork which I'll so you won't be able to copy your artwork, will you? Yeah, that's impossible. If I can't copy it, then no one else can. That's virtually impossible. That's why I don't have to sign. I mean, they are highly gloss, and they do make you wanna. They do make you wanna touch them as well, don't they? So yeah, yeah. When I used to sell at the market, I'd put up a sign saying "Don't touch," and everybody and anybody 
wet touch it, uh, disregarding what is. I mean, they're that textural that if you was to, you could probably enter them into a sculpture sculpture show, couldn't you? They're yeah, that textural. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Margaret is probably. I would probably if someone said that Margaret resembles painting or sculpting. It probably resemble more sculpting. And and when you lay the varnish on there, I mean, they're they're very colourful anyway, um, but the varnish does pull out pull out the colours, make them a lot more yeah, vibrant. Don't yeah, yeah. When I realised, when I first started doing it, I realised that when the paint was wet, it looked amazing. When the paint was dry, it lost a little bit of its essence. Yeah. So I needed to create that wet look and glassy look. So I got some spray varnish from the art shop, and it worked really well. Excellent. Because I wouldn't be able to paint it on because it's very, very, very three dimensional. So I needed a spray varnish, something that would like. Um, take very little time, and um, because my art was not a flat surface painting, it was just a yeah. There's just no way I was going to go through that process. And do you use a um, solution that slows down the drying process uh, of no, the paint? No, I like nature to take its toll. I put my artwork in covers and leave them there for a week. Covering flies. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, well, if a fly sticks on the ground, and then it's go walking that across. Will, that will just have to be left Out all the better. That's that, yeah. Varnish can go up over it. Oh, that's um, and and you you work is mainly round about ten by ten, which do work perfectly. I know you've done bigger and you've done smaller. I have, yeah, I'd probably say the largest one I've done was probably about um, 16 by 10 or 16 by 12, sorry. And I mean, I only saw them here. Oh, on average it's 10 by 10 blocks, yeah. I, I saw them here at Diorama um, when I come to meet you the first time, um, when you was up, upstairs in the studio space that they gave. Um, and yeah, you are very drawn towards towards touching them. But you, just after that, you was at the outpost in Holloway for a. Um, I was, yeah, yeah. I had an exhibition. That was a one man show there, wasn't it? One man show offered to me by Outpost. Um, fantastic little shop. Apparently, it's Jeremy Corbyn's favourite little hop shop. Good. Did he see yours, uh, do you know? No, he didn't, but he used to go in there to buy artwork over, over one of the artists. He used to display his artwork. He's a bit, good man. Unfortunately, the guy passed away, but it was his favourite. Um, shop and so I gave that guy a little bit of time in the times, but yeah, I went out for us, had an exhibition there, sold half my work. Which and who was it who put that? Was it Cafe Art who got uh, well, you Cafe that? Cafe Art had mentioned to Outpost, they knew the manager, um, Lorna, and met the manager, and she even bought one piece of artwork. Oh, and good, she bought two pieces. So, yeah, what was saying that about people, but I was just about to ask you another question there. Saying that about people buying your artwork. Yeah, it was all ladies that bought artwork at Outpost, every single one piece of Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What do you think, why do you think that was? Because a man can walk past a jewellery shop and a lady can. Oh, there you go. It's, ladies are more uh, colour coordinated than a man. I think, I think it's sort of changing slightly. Yeah. I think men are sort of trying to okay. Probably won't ever, but... Uh, and did they was it something that's glassy or something that's got a jewellery effect is more I was sort of more reflects a lady's sort of eye. Was it made relevant? Uh, relevant was it was it was it stated that you um, were homeless, stroke, vulnerably housed? Was that would people have known that when they come looking at your work? Um, yeah, they would have mentioned um, that. Yeah. Do you think bit, that yeah, I know you've yeah. sold quite a few pieces of work? Yeah. Do you think that your backstory of being at the time homeless yeah. helped 
helps you sell work uh, or hinders you sell work or has no effect whatsoever? It has no effect whatsoever. Good, and it so it should. Uh, which is really what I want. I yeah. don't want, as much as people sort of um, use the story as a platform, that can get a little bit tedious for me. Yeah. I'm quite happy to tell my story, but I like people to buy the artwork. For the love of the artwork and not for the person and, and the story I mean, behind it. Don't get me wrong, the backstory, yeah, you've got a, yeah. a, a great story, you know, a great foundation. Yeah, and to be honest, if it helps, I mean, my background being in prison, mm. if it helps sell a piece of artwork, of then so be does, it. Of course it does, but obviously you don't want that to be set up. You don't always want to be yeah, that bloke off the streets. You don't want someone to say, you know, oh, let's buy that artwork, it needs to be honest. Yeah. I want someone to buy that artwork because they love it and they don't want someone else to buy it. Yeah. They want to take it and you're not in quite a, as much of a vulnerable position as you was um, a little while ago. Because a little while you was actually living on the streets and now you're temporarily housed. Yeah, well, I lived on the streets for three years. I yeah. joined an art therapy class in the Passage Day Centre. Went there every Thursday and did two pit two paintings every Thursday and it's more or less on paper. So yeah. all of my dream dreaming colour stuff on canvas I never ever did. Yeah. I started off on paper and I used like a scruffy tool like technique which is layer on the paint layer on sort of bright coloured paint and then use like a dark colour paint at the top and then I'd use like sculpture Just tool cut into to it, scratch yeah. off it. Um, which would bring all the light colours to the surface and more or less did uh, sort of uh, cityscapes and more sort of nature. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen a couple so of paper, which is really, really, but I sort of moved on to canvas because there's so much paper lying around. Yeah. Kind of I couldn't be bored. <laughs> so I moved on to canvas and I just started doing all sorts of different things. And I came across something and enjoyed it. Then uh, over the years, I've just improved the technique and sort of add different sort of different sort of yeah. aspects and set different signatures. Which, um, which you can actually see with it, how I twist the paint and it becomes obvious if you have a look at three of my pieces of artwork, you'd know it's actually me, yeah. not someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you, you was on the streets in London for a few years, how did you come by being down here in the first place? What, London? Yeah, well, from... I came, I came down here for a weekend. Yeah. A thousand, a thousand weekends later, I'll tell you. And you're a Londoner now? That's right, I'm a jockney. A jockney? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and you've been in London how many years now? Uh, roughly about 30 years. Wow. Uh, do you come, do you go back at all? I haven't been up recently, I have to go up and see my father because he's not too well, but yeah. Uh, I usually go up every year, every couple of years, but I've uh, sort of had a lot of problems recently, so it's uh, something that's... Uh, yeah. Something I'll have to do very, very, very soon. Anyway, so. That's, you know, what can you, what can you say to that? Yeah, yeah, well, that's it, yeah, that's it. Um, it, it seems a bit rude going on to a question after leaving that one, leaving that one there. Yeah. But what was your first turning point or a piece you carried with conviction? So when, when you sort of done a piece, I presume your answer will include these, um, uh, these these ones that you do at the moment, these dreaming colour um, abstracts, I presume it'd be one of those. So I mean, is like when when you, was the time when you sort of done a piece of work and you've gone, that's it, that's what I'm after, that's what I want. Yeah, I did a piece uh, that was like I was on my wall when I was in support accommodation, made a veil, um, and I did a painting and it was hanging sort of just above my bed, and I was asked to do a piece for 
an exhibition in the Galavium and so I took that one along. Who was that by St Mungo's? Um, no, well, actually it was set up by someone who works for St Mungo's, yeah. Simon Richardson. And St Mungo's? And that was the first time I met Michael Wong. Oh, good. Exhibition, which was about six years ago. And so I took that piece along. Just for, sorry, just for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, St Mungo's is a... It's a homeless charity in London. It's one of the biggest ones. Yeah, excellent. And was Michael working with them at the time or just supporting uh, them? No, Michael, Michael was probably at the starting point of Cafe Art. Got you. That's when he was just starting yeah. Cafe Art off. So um, that's when I met Michael. He was running around with a camera. Taking <laughs> and, and yeah, go on, sorry. So I went there, um, took a piece along. Um, um, so anyway, it was entered in the exhibition and two people from the Guardian tried to buy it before the exhibition started, which was nice, but I turned both of them down. And I sold it for twice the amount of money to a lady who worked for the design company when we gone. Excellent. So it went very well. So I realised then that that was probably when I dream in colour. And what, how do you refer to these paintings that you do? What do you what do you call them? I call, I call them Adam numbered. Uh, no, no, I don't, sorry, I don't mean the title. What do you refer to them as? Uh, you you would refer to them as my paintings, but what would what would I, what would the viewer refer to him as? Oh, probably something from an Adrian Colour collection, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, I think. I think yeah, just to describe I, what I mean, they were, you know. Yeah, I'd say rather than, I always think sometimes that when you try to name a painting, it can be such a hazardous yeah. sort of thing because people sort of look at the name and try to understand why the painting was yeah, and, and, and it takes them off. You number yours. So I number them. I decided they're Jackson Pollock. I just and that. is I've got there a collection? I just number them. I think I've done about thirty so far. Any of your paintings? Can they go any way up? Uh, I, I know that they can they work can, any way up. They can work. But is up. there a top and a bottom? Uh, sometimes and sometimes not, because when I do it, I tend to turn the painting around and do it, and, and I soon realise uh, I can't remember where I started off. Right. So, Ah, oh, so when you're making it, it's, you're constantly turning it around. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, but even when you finish, do you think that's the top, that's the bottom? Well, I spend so much time studying my artwork within sort of the week because it takes a week for it to dry. So yeah. within that week, I'm actually airing it every day and looking for any sort of faults or any improvements and uh, obviously make, making my mind up during that week actually which way the painting will go but because there's no signature on the front the client or the observer or the audience can actually figure out whichever yeah. way So on the back you would put its number, put your I name and the date? Yeah, I would, I would put I in colour, the number, my signature and the date. So I presume that's all the same way round? So, if you yeah. used to turn a painting round, it's got your signature yeah, date exactly. and number yeah, on that's there. That's the way that I would see it then as being the way so it should be. So, you have dictated yeah. that that is probably the, how you prefer yeah, it. Yeah, I have, yeah. But, yeah. obviously, the have, the yeah. owner can put it up how yeah, they like. They bought it, so that's completely up to them. Yeah, completely good. Them, yeah. That's not a bad thing at all. Well, I'm happy if they're happy. If they turn it upside down. Is there an art piece that you've created that you hold most dear? Uh, no, I don't know, because of any of my favourites in the past are now distant favourites because I raised the bar so high that anything that I thought was probably the best ever has always been outplaced by something else, so yeah. I'm, I'm not sentimental about that. 
I think sentiment, you know, art, art and art don't go together, really don't. If you only start a business by getting sentimentality, you otherwise you'll have a house full of artwork. Well, you are very <coughs> protective about your technique, aren't you? I'm um, completely, um, I'm completely. Although, yeah, I don't, no one, no one actually sees me actually getting. It's, I mean, you can sort of guess by, or you can assume rather, how they're made. You can, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know. I think, yeah, it's very, to get the basics of what I do is very, very easy. And you can think about it, and I'm quite sure you as an yeah. artist, you can think about how you do it. But that's just a simple part of it. The twists and the turns and the other little bits that I put in it, that sort of thing you wouldn't. You would, it, would, it would take a lot of, lot of money and a lot of pain a lot of <laughs> just to sort of get that, you know. It took me five years, so good luck. Um, I've noticed online, um, and what's your, I mean, well, I'll ask you again at the end, but on social media, it's mainly Instagram. Yeah, Grey Mosaic, at Grey Mosaic. Grey, G-R-A-Y? Yeah, A-Y, yeah. Um, I've noticed you've started putting up some very close-up photographs of your artwork. So where they normally... Tenants, you're taking a photo of maybe a centimetre square. Yeah, I've decided... And they are very each, effective. Yeah, each part of my artwork, I would say, has a certain characteristic, which is usually my favourite part. Mm. It's mostly around the central part, because that's where most of the paint will go. Yeah, that's where um, most of the work goes on. Because my artwork is 10 by 10, everybody wants to do huge amounts. So someone offered me a commission on the Italian person and said, like, I want huge, and I said, but I can't do it. And I, he's probably going to offer me quite a lot of money, yeah. but I just can't do it. It's just, it's not going to look good. You're going to lose the intricacy, and that's going to make me look bad. So yeah. I don't really want to do something. Well, you could do, crap. you could possibly do something, a triptych, for instance, where you have three paintings next to each other that make yeah. up one larger. Yeah, he wanted like a huge one with a dollar sign. Yeah. Sort of artwork, which I could probably do, but you'd maybe have to do a section at, yeah, at a time or something. And it would create a stencil. That time, I think it'd lose a little something. Yeah, but yeah. they do open themselves up. The, the images you've been putting up online, they do open themselves up very well to prints. Yeah. So the idea was to take a segment. So the print series which I'm going to have coming out soon which is a limited print series will be segments from I Dream in Colour yeah. and the original idea was um, sell specifically for one of them was to sell a hundred print uh, same limited prints and then auction off the original painting to the hundred yeah. people who bought the print because unless they've been on my Facebook or actually seen the painting they don't realise the full 14 by 14 inch of the painting, yeah. which is going to be the main one. And what size would you do the prints the if prints, it came about? Hopefully probably around about A1. So you'll have the paper will probably be either A1 or A2. I think the painting should be around about the A2. Yeah. And the actual paper, but the A1 obviously I need um, space and around the edge to sort of sign it and write yeah. it. And uh, it'll work out whether it do 50 or 100, really. You know, 50. Well, I think that if you speak to someone I mean, for advice, mm -hmm. I mean, where we just showed face value two in Jealous Gallery, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure if you went down to see Dario or any of his guys down yeah. there and even just asked, give them your ideas, yeah. and, you know, I'm sure they'd give you a bit of advice. <coughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, they definitely. remember your work being up there. Yeah. And on that subject... Yeah. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For Face Value 2, which was, um, as I've mentioned on here a few times, it was one artist collaborating with another. Um, but in, insofar as one artist would donate an artwork, the second artist would work over the top of it. And the first artist didn't know who would be doing it. And I paired you with Will Blanchard, That's Wildcat right, yeah. Will, well who done, does yeah. excellent, yeah. Um, he does excellent um, prints himself. And this print was um, an image of a man, <coughs> excuse me, with, he had Elton John type star glasses and underneath there was some text in like old fairground type um, font and it said unfair and I put that with you because your situation and what you've gone through mm -hmm. is unfair and I thought that'd give you a, a little something to work with. Mm -hmm. um, I mean you could have gone really detailed and done some of your um, um, what was you what would you call yeah, it? Yeah one of my dreaming colours. One of your dreaming colours yeah, and what you've done you, you, you pulled that back which was being very respectful to Will Blanchard. I was, yeah, I was. I and think I was probably the only artist in the whole exhibition <laughs> that used subtlety, Because uh, after I seen everything else, I thought, oh, I could really have went to town. But sometimes, but as subtlety, an old saying, less is more, isn't it? less is more, exactly. And, and I think the subtlety worked really, really well. And the story behind yours was that you put gold in the gold glasses. Glitter, yeah, gold in the glasses, gold in the... The bottom the, half. Yeah, of the font. Which was the unfair font, yeah. Um, and it came out really, really well, actually. And it was fantastic. initially called unfair, unfair, yeah. And you called it unfair, yeah. and then in brackets, uh, all that glitters, all that glitters, dot dot dot. That's correct, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you was just sort of highlighting the fact that maybe even you've come down to London and expecting yeah, what, you ex one thing, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you, ex oh, you expect, you expect like the, you know, the streets to be lit up in gold. Well, when I was living in them, believe me. And there there's a gold there. beautiful story behind the artwork for the sale of the artwork. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I was standing next to Peyton as you do at an exhibition, obviously trying to sort of sell it and sort of speak to any sort of potential clients. Um, a lady, I could see a lady looking at it, so I mentioned that I was one of the collaborators and my husband came up to me, Kenny, um, before you know it, he comes from East School Right, I come from East School Right, he went to the same school as me and Biff Bang Power, Peyton Soul, that was really nice. And you, so you you even had the same art teacher, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, yeah, I, I can't remember what he said about that, I think there's a very, uh, obviously I'm four years older than him. Because so he was Lee old. Ainsworth's cousin's husband oh wasn't really he? all right yeah lee, lee being all, all right lee was lee as the curator lee. yeah yeah all right I see. so it was yeah. lee's i'm yeah. sure that was lee's cousin's husband 
Yeah, I know she follows me on Instagram now. She ah, does she, she Yeah, she put a picture on the wall when she fancies and all that, so I've got another potential client. Yeah. And then, because I didn't know about the sale. Uh, oh, no, you told me about the I sale. I did, yeah, towards the end. And then, yeah. at the time, yeah. I was talking to Katie Piper. The show was for her foundation, That's wasn't right, it? Yeah. Katie Piper Foundation. So I introduced you to Katie. Yeah. You made quite an impression on her. She told, um, you told her about the sale. I did, yeah. It was, it was um, I thought, um... Katie Piper is, is she's such a wonderful inspiration. She made a quite an really. impression on you as well, oh, didn't she? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think what she does, um, obviously, for people uh, being in a situation of um, being victims of attack and burn victims, or and I've been in that situation. You know, it, it's such a difficult situation and it's very heartbreaking. So for uh, well, for you and for Lee and for everybody else and all the artists uh, to like join together. And, Raise money for yeah. that foundation. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, so you was the only artist that <coughs> Lee and I um, said beforehand that because of your predicament or the predicament you was in at the time, what we agreed was that um, the artwork is obviously a collaboration between two people. Um, and we'd already said that whatever the artwork goes for, we would, Lee and I would. Um, give you back um, the equivalent of 25% of whatever it went for so it was half of your half if yeah, you like yeah. so so um, <clears throat> so you'd be getting 50% you'd be the only artist there getting 50% I'm sure none of the other artists would have you know um, minded that at all um, but you'd have been the only one giving up 50% um, and or, or getting something out of it and Later on that night, after meeting Katie Piper, um, James come up to me and, and he said he's, you know, he's, he's saying about how much he's enjoyed the night and all the other artists he's spoke to and how inspirational Katie Piper was. And um, James asked if he could donate 100% of his, um, um, of the money raised to Katie Piper Foundation, which, um, which was a, a bloody beautiful thing. And I was walking back to the station with Lee and um, Kenny at the time. And he, Kenny was saying about um, how he's bought the artwork and, you know, like relaying that same story. Yeah. And I told him that, mm. um, the part about you've donated your right, bit yeah. as well. Course, yeah. And uh, it, we, he, he was really, really touched. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes there's more important things than money. I mean, what happens to Good on you. Else? And I think sometimes you just got to show it to people that it doesn't matter. You know, what situation is always someone else out there you know that really really get a lot bigger problems than you know than, good man it was know, a very i mean i know I all the artists bit, yeah i felt a little bit um out of sorts the fact that everybody's donating apart from me and yeah but it was as much as i need the money believe me different know, kettle of fish yeah, you know I mean, yeah exactly i was happy to say so um five artists from past or present if you could have a group show with them who would, do you know who they would be? If you, who would your dream show be if you could put your, one of your artworks next to any other artist? In, um, um, I mean, I know on the last one, you just, you know, um, you yeah, was next, yeah. who was you next to there? You well, was next Jackson to Jackson Pollock or Gerhard Richter. I think because my art was so colourful, it'd probably be Gerhard Richter. Yeah, yeah definitely, good choice. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I like the movement and fluidity of Jackson Pollock, but he doesn't dream in colour as much as Gerhard Richter. Yeah. That guy, the master on colour. He's yeah. very good. Yeah, I really like him. So I think 
my artwork would probably suit uh, the collab. It would work well. I think if I put, I mean, my artwork, I've been told that my artwork actually resembles something with Jackson's palette. I don't see it, but it could be in amongst there. There is something going on yeah. there, but Gerhard Richter definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And is there any any others contemporary artists? You know, well, yeah, I do mean, you look I at mean, contemporary yeah, artists yeah, at all? Really, I mean, I'm not really up to date with a lot of people. I mean, I, I like I like pure evil. I have to admit, he's probably he's one, cool, of my, he? one of my favourite British artists. I quite like the stuff that Michelle Millenhall was doing. So I've been following her Instagram. So um, I try not get involved in the people around these days because it keeps me from like, even inspiring yeah. me. So I try and look at things. If I want really, really to be inspired. I go to the National Gallery and I go around the Renaissance Park. Well, then I'll, you know, go and have a look at the stuff from Monet to, like, you know, the castle or whatever. But um, really, I do like Renaissance. I have to admit, for inspiring me. You know. Oh, always. There's a lot of gold here. Definitely gets very inspirational. Um, I was just looking through my notes here, and I was going to say again about. Um, I've asked, I'll, I'll put a little note down here um, about your artwork. Is there a top and a bottom? And we've already ascertained that it's, yeah. you know, it's whatever one you, yeah. you sort of half like. But would you consider putting your signature, the date and the number of the artwork in a circle so that even you don't dictate what the top and the bottom is? All right, yeah, yeah, you brought that up before. That's quite a clever idea, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> Where does it end? Now you you give the client the impression as in which way you've painted it. Everything is up to them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to matter whether it's in a circle, whether it's in a you know square, or whether it's even a triangle. It's you know they're going to do whatever they want to do. It's their house. They bought the painting, and you're not going to tell them yeah. what to do. I wouldn't. And if you was if you was to give it up today, being an artist, what what would you what would you do? Or um, even if you if you was in a position where you could stop making your art even for a year, what is it? Is there something you'd like to do? Um, I don't know. I might get involved maybe with a charity or something, which I'm sort of involved with cafe art at the moment. So I do a few hours work each week for them. So it'd maybe be something charitable or even something artistic, even charitable sort of thing. So I think even a mixture of charity, uh, it'd have to be something creative. Because I've sort of got that urge for creativity now, so I don't think I can give up. Could you work for another artist? Do you um, think? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, why are you off my job? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be able to do that. No, no worries. Um, and a little like a word of wisdom or something. Or, or what word of wisdom would you give someone, or a bit of advice, or even what would you have on your on your gravestone? Something oh, like that'd be a dreaming colour, wouldn't it? That a dreaming colour, of course not. A dreaming colour forevermore. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, that sort of concludes everything we've got, everything yeah. we've done. James Gray, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And just lastly, and tell everyone you. where they can find you. Well, they can find me on Facebook at Gray Mosaic. My name is James Gray, that is G R A Y. They can find me at Gray Mosaic on Instagram, that is James Gray, G R A Y also. Um, just look up James Great Eye Dreaming Colour. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you, mate. All the best. So how about that? James Gray, what a fella, eh? Things are slowly coming together for James, partly down to his newfound direction in life. So as I've found out myself, 
Coming from a marginalised background can be almost beneficial to your practice. James is on Instagram and he goes by the username of Grey Mosaic. G-R-A-Y-M-O-S-A-I-C. So next time you're on Instagram, shoot over to James and just show him a little support if you're able, just to um, give him a little follow. If you're in the mood, send him a little message, give him a thumbs up, say hello and just tell him that you listen to him on the podcast. The second part of this podcast is with Paul Ryan, the other director of Cafe Art. It was recorded in the park just opposite the Whitechapel Gallery. It was a bright sunny day, there was a lot of people in the park and we were next to a main road. So there is some ambient sound, which is podcast speak for a load of racket in the background. Speaking of racket, I'll put an end to mine and let you listen to Paul Ryan from Cafe Art. Right, so James has just gone back into the Cafe Art office yeah. with Michael. Yeah. I've now got... Uh, oh, there he is. Hey Gary. James oh, is over there. How are you? Not too bad. I could sleep. I still live. I in a little while. Um, yeah, just mentioned Michael Wong and then he creeps up behind yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. I'm here now with Paul Ryan, who's your director? Yeah, one of one the of directors. directors. Michael and I are joint directors. At Cafe Art. Yeah. Could you just give us a little... I mean, um, James spoke a little bit about uh, Cafe Art. Okay. Um, um, I'll give you a, a history about how we please. started. So. Michael Wong um, was a volunteer with, um, or still is, with uh, some mungos. Um, he met them, he was cycling, I think, in Hertfordshire, and he came across some, some mungos fundraiser and bumped, started talking to these other cyclists. And they, uh, they asked him if he wanted to come and volunteer. And where and was that? That was about, oh, probably 2011. No, actually, before that. It was two years before I met him. I met him in 2012. And he said he was cycling and he met somebody and they said, do you want to volunteer? And he said, yeah. <laughs> but he thought that they wanted help with cycling. So he, he went down to the art group, the hostel by King's Cross, dressed in his lycra. <laughs> and they said, no, no, we want you in our art group. So he, he went in there, he said it was... Yeah, the that, lo- that wasn't very awkward, was yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> he said it was the longest two hours he didn't, he didn't know what to do um, and he thought that he'd never do it again but they said look it'd be great if you could help every week so he, he ended up involuntarily volunteering but enjoying it you know yeah, and um, so after a couple of years of doing this um, before I met him he was sitting in a cafe and he saw that there was no art on the walls and he knew that these artists that he used he helps every week create a ton of art and it, there's no, no space for it and they're putting it away in like folders and storing it because they couldn't hang it anywhere yeah. so he came up with this idea that if he was to frame the art and ask the cafe would they hang it and the cafe said they would take it and the artist said they'd, they'd let him frame it so he got some frames from Ikea framed it and then hung the art and that was the beginning and then that was probably the beginning of 2012 he, he, he was doing that He decided to go to every art group he could find in London, run by a homeless organisation. So contacted, you know, people running the groups and went to speak to the artists and they said that they could provide art and he found as many cafes as he could find. Well, that's that's where our place is. So that's where the name comes from, Cafe Art. Excellent. It it says what it does. So the idea is to give people sort of pride uh, that their stuff is being seen by the public. Um, It's a bonus if it sells. 
they get. What do the cafes get out of it? Do they just cafes, get the pleasure of they get helping? The pleasure. Yeah, they and don't a bit of decoration on their wall. Any and, bit of decoration. And they on don't their take wall. any commission. They out don't of it. take any commission. Um, so I mean, we've been able to. The great thing is, um, you know, a few have dropped off. Uh, I think Coca-Cola have got this new initiative. They're going around to a lot of sort of greasy spoon cafes and saying, look, we'll give you a free fridge full of Coke if you put out photos of Coke on the wall. Oh. And we lost a couple of cafes oh, to Coca-Cola. Yeah. But apart from that, um, we generally add cafes. I mean, you can't obviously can't blame the cafes for doing it. Exactly, you know? because everyone's, you know, uh, everyone's got a, a bit of trouble uh, at the moment financially. Trouble financially, the high rates, and that probably helps them. Yeah. But, but a lot of cafes, if we don't fill the whole cafe, we'll have one more, maybe. Yeah. So it's, it varies between a couple of pictures to decking out the whole cafe. Yeah. So at the moment, we've got about 15, and we sort of it rotate the art. Yeah, I saw, I saw it in, um, I, I mean, Dagnum and Barkin. I saw it was one yeah. at Barkin Station. That's right. They, they, they put up everything. Yeah, in fact, cool. we've, we've just put up photographs, because we do photos as well. So yeah. how I got into cafe art was that I had just arrived back in London. I'd been working for a homeless organization, a legal aid organization in Vancouver, Canada. And I was in charge of a project there which involved handing out disposable cameras and creating an exhibition and calendar. Um, and when I took over the project, it was very small and um, had, hadn't quite found its way. And I made lots of changes and added to the initial yeah. idea, concept. It wasn't my idea at the beginning, but I, ch I made a lot of changes. And then when I left, it was a, bit, it was a charity. So um, I knew that that idea worked. And when I came back to London, I was looking for a job and so I couldn't find anything at first. And then somebody said, why don't you do the calendar in London? And I thought that would be great because I loved my jo old job yeah. and London, I love London. So I bumped, uh, actually I was introduced to Michael by one of the, one of the directors of uh, one of the charities. They said, oh, you should meet Michael. So I met up with him and he said, why don't we do a calendar? Yeah. <laughs> actually the first calendar was paintings because it was, it was paintings, not oh, yeah. photos. So James Gray was one of them. So Michael already knew James and a few other people. Yeah. And we decided to do the concept of having a painting and the photograph of the artist and their story. And we sold that. Um, and all the profits from the first one that we sold, after paying for the costs of printing yeah, it, yeah. went to the art groups. We gave them um, art materials. Because Michael said oh, it would be good to give money back to them, and I agreed. Yeah. You know? um, Does that next still happen year, now? Well, we fin well we, that was the only one we did with paintings because we'd already connected with the Royal Photographic Society. Yeah. They said they wanted to do a project, and I said, well, I know what to do. We can hand out cameras, uh, like Fuji, I've done in Vancouver. Fuji gave you the cameras a little while ago. Did they still they do They did, that? yeah. So at the beginning, I asked for the cameras at the very beginning, and they said no. <laughs> so I asked, could I get them cost price, you know, like wholesale? And they said, okay. So we bought 100 cameras wholesale. And after a couple of years, when we became more well-known, they, they, they sort of benefit in having yeah, their name Yeah, so they donated the cameras yeah. and the, they, they helped pay for the printing of the, of the oh, exhibition. Good. good. Not the calendar, but the exhibition. Yeah, yeah. And then now, all these people from around the world contacted us because they saw us online uh, because we had a lot of media coverage. And so we helped them get Fuji Donate cameras in Hungary, Australia, United States. Canada. But for the same sort for of thing. For the same project. And so is that anything to do with use? Have yeah. Use, We've given them the, 
the concept? Well, the concept. And the, are they the called Cafe design. Art in? Well, they're all their own organisations. Apart from Australia, they're calling themselves Cafe Art Australia. But this is a guy who and said. And is it to do with you? Yeah, yeah. So he said, "Can I call it Cafe Art Australia?" And we said, "Yeah, sure." And the, and the calendar over here is called. Is it called My London? My London. So, so my Budapest, my Sydney, my New Orleans, and my Toronto. Do their funds stay within? Their funds stay with them. Got yeah. You. So um, they have to, you know, it's a basic concept. You know, um, you sell the calendar, and then fifty percent of the, the sale price goes to the to the vendor, or forty percent if we're in the market. But but the more you sell, the more you can actually. So what, what food you do? They give you what's it like a hundred cameras? Hundred cameras, and then they're disposable. And then you make um, one-time use. You meet the guys. The guys come and get a camera. Yeah. So what we do is we, in the cut, like it, up until the middle of June, we go around and see everybody in the art groups and tell them what's happening, show them the camera. So these are art groups run by homeless organisations. So that's how we connect with people. And so on the day, I'll take a list. I'll take their email address down or or or, or their phone so I can text yeah. them, remind them to come on the day. And then this year, the 21st of June. Everyone's going to St Paul's Cathedral, and Pret-a-Manger give us some lunch. So oh, that, good! Uh, and the St Paul's Cathedral give us the room, and the graphic design firm later on they design the camera for free. So everything is contributed by all these companies. Yeah. Only expense is really um, printing the calendar. You know, we print the calendar later on, um, and then um, you know we sell it in Spitalfields, and they so give us So how many guys spot. end up? On the calendar, is it 13 or is it 12? 13, because there's one on the cover. Yeah. We usually have a different cover from the months. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you don't want to take photos, you don't have to. James is not a fan of taking <laughs> part, but he because he is quite adamant. Yeah. The thing is, James, uh, when we first met him, he'd just come off the streets. He was in support of housing. Then he moved into his own flat. He's off um, any sort of ESA benefit. He's yeah. he's um, he's gone on to the enterprise allowance, and then now I think beyond that. But he's he's allowed to actually earn as much money as he can. Yeah. So he's actually taking steps to actually become independent. So he he sells the calendar, even though he doesn't like to take the photos. Yeah. He sells it in the market every year. And at Spitalfields. Spitalfields, yeah. Bumped into him a few times there myself, and yeah. and you while you were there. Yeah. Not and was you, about that. Was there a lot sold online this year? Yeah, uh, online is good. Um, I think we sold about 450, 500 online. And nothing like the number we yeah. sell in the market. No. See, most of them are sold by the face photographers face-to-face yeah. face in Spitalfields. We're going to hope to get another good market. We, we go to a few other places, you know, one-offs, but we're hoping to get into somewhere like Covent Garden. Um, that would be an ideal place. Okay. This is how we became international. In 2015, we did a Kickstarter for the 2016 calendar, and it went viral. Oh, good. Yeah, so it went, oh, God. Um, it was covered by Amateur Photographer Magazine, yeah. which is a photography magazine yeah, yeah. in London. And then these American photography websites emailed us and said, oh, can we run the same story? And so we sent them the pictures. Before you know it, it was about, you know, over, over about two and a half weeks, three weeks, 300 um, big websites from all around the world, from United States. It started in the United sure. States, like it was like Board Panda, 
Unlimited, um, Upworthy, uh, even NBC Today Show, wow. they all took the pictures, yeah. uh, PBS, and then it was all across Europe and, and everywhere, Japan, everywhere, you yeah. know, Australia, you know, Thailand, you name it. And I mean, there's quite a bit of competition, I would have thought, with yeah. calendars, charity calendars, especially at that time of year. Yeah, I know, um, I, I guess there's a competition with, with other calendars and with other charities, but, um, and, and we're not saying this is going to be a concept that goes on forever. Yeah. If, it, if we need to make changes or, or change things, we will. While it's working now, it, the, the main focus is the, the person who, who, who's selling it and who takes the photos. It's about empowering people through photography initially and then through selling the calendar. This is why I, my point about it being commercial, it's not like an art project, like an, oh, I'm going to try and have the most creative photos that somebody, the average person would want to have yeah. on their wall for a month. You know, St. Paul's Cathedral, you know. Uh, the punks. Yeah, if they was on a bus, yeah, they'd see it out the window. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a passing glimpse. And it's something that, you know, it does talk about homelessness in the story. Every month has a story written um, and edited, edited by us, but written and approved by the person who took the photo. And they can talk about their issue of um, when they were homeless, um, what they went through, and, and how they've come out the other side. So it's a subtle way of dealing with the issue of homelessness that maybe some people um, we would get to read it who wouldn't actually normally um, uh, pay any attention yeah. to homelessness so they might get given it as a gift or they might buy it and they, they like the pictures and if they read the stories it might make them think and we're hoping to change people's you know it's a subtle way of getting into the into the kitchens and the boardrooms yeah. of London you start selling your calendar in October yeah. Um, online and in the markets. That's right. Um, so I think it'd be a good idea to do something a bit closer that time. It'd probably be a, a nearer Christmas, like a homeless special with, yeah. like maybe yourselves and like we was talking about earlier, um, speaking to some of the photographers. Yeah, definitely. That would be good because um, they they have their own stories. You yeah. Know. And um, and some of the guys on the calendar help sell it as well. Yeah, I would say three quarters of them do. Usually some people are not that interested no, in selling, it's not course. their thing. Yeah. But then other people can come along who, um, you know, if they're on an enterprise allowance scheme, they can, they're, they're, they're transitioning from, from, from being homeless, being on an ESA benefit, to being on, yeah, yeah. on, on uh, the, uh, what was I saying, the enterprise allowance. Um, and they're allowed to earn as much as they can on that. Um, there are a couple of guys who are homeless, sleeping rough in London, who, um, they don't receive any government assistance. They've, yeah. they've been sleeping rough for you know a few years. They, and if they come along and uh, want to sell, we we'll, we help them sell because it's a way that they can earn money as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. All right. So all that probably wrap yeah. it up. Paul. Okay. Thank you Cheers, very much. Thanks, Gary. Cheers, mate. Okay. Thank you. Ah, cafe art. How heartwarming is it to know that there's organisations out there that will help homeless artists try and pull themselves out of homelessness just by using their own creativity. Sometimes all people need is just a helping hand. I spoke to Paul just after this and we said that we would very probably do like a homeless special nearer Christmas to coincide with the main push of their My London calendars. They're normally about £10 and I know that last Christmas James was volunteering to help them out with sales down at Spitfields Market. 
You can find out more about Cafe Art at their website, which is cafeart.org.uk. And likewise, as I said um, about James, they're also on Instagram. So pop over and give them a follow if you're able. They are Cafe Art UK. Next week, we've got Cy Sapsford. I've known Cy for a lot of years. She was my tutor at university. We sort of first hit it off during our first tutorial when we found out we'd both been away for seven years. Although mine was in prison and hers was at sea, sailing around the world. A little bit different. Although on reflection, not too much. So next week, you'll be coming to Size Studio with me. And as I say every week, thank you for listening. Please pass on to anyone else about the podcast. All you have to do is put in Mizog Art, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. You can find us at places like iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, even on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Ta-da. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.